0: dear lord how great thou art as we gather as one body today we pray that your spirit may come and work within us father we thank you for this church this body that you have provided us with to come together in corporate worship we praise you that though you can do anything on your own in your abundant love and grace you choose to do amazing things through us so that we might witness your mighty power We confess that perhaps this week, this month, this year, we have fallen prey to our own desires and the things of this world. We pray that we will have hearts that recognize the ways that we fall short and that we will be repentant such that we might draw closer to you. Help us to desire obedience and find our joy from you and be steadfast in our worship of you. We thank you that we live in a free country where we were able to offer our voice through the recent election process. We pray for all of the elected leaders of this country, this province, this municipality, that regardless of their party leanings and political views, that you will cause them to lead with wisdom and love for the people. We pray that they will lead in a manner that gives us the opportunity to live out our faith, but that even in moments where they don't, that we will have the courage and conviction to live out your will and not theirs. As the weather gets colder and the days get shorter, we pray for those who don't have the comfort of a place to call home or family and friends to warm their hearts. We pray that you will burden our hearts for your people, that we will give of our time and resources generously to those around us because we know that it pleases you to have a heart like yours. We pray for those within our own church community who may feel lost or broken or who need an extra measure of your love. You know all of our needs before we do, and we pray that you will use this body to help us identify those needs and to lift one another up. Let us show love to one another as you first showed us love. We pray for the small groups that have recently launched. Thank you for the privilege of meeting together to break bread and have meaningful interactions. We pray that you will build intimacy and connectiveness within these groups, that they will truly provide a place to encourage, rebuke, and edify one another. We pray though that these groups will not become exclusive communities, but that that they will also be used as vehicles to welcome and enable newcomers to become engaged in your church. Anoint Pastor Yah as he speaks today and shares your good word. Help us to know that these words are from you. May we have open and obedient hearts as we hear them and help us to be reflective such that we might carry out these words after we leave this chapel. Help us to fix our minds and hearts on those words and teachings throughout the week that we might live out your words in our day-to-day lives. We thank you, Lord, that we can have complete confidence in your promises, including your promise to one day see the Lord Jesus Christ face-to-face in glory. In your most powerful and loving name we pray. Amen.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, I just wanted to... Extend a hearty, hearty welcome to everyone. Um, just FYI, the children's ministry, you are. Dismissed. Uh, so please continue to listen to your teachers, they love you so much. They think about you throughout the week. They pray for you. Um, so yes, please continue to be a blessing to them. Uh, thank you, Angela for that wonderful prayer. And I also know that I think this uh, the service is also streamed in the baby room. So for those in the baby room just wanted to say hi. Uh, you are part of our worship even though you are physically in a different room. Uh, every Sunday I am super excited. Uh, it just seems crazy how these weeks are just zooming by. Uh, I'm really excited to see some of you guys. I know there are at least a few of you guys who flew in uh, from out of the country just just this past week. So welcome. We definitely miss you. Uh, We're so excited to be able to worship you, worship with you uh, again. Um, But really what we're about is we're here to encounter and come and see God and his presence and to be reminded of who Jesus is and what he has done for us, specifically through the gospel, his gospel. So that's really been the theme for Uptown, um, especially in this sermon series as we're going through 1 Corinthians. And today's sermon title is actually, um, are we doing the presentation on, I think I think we did this a couple weeks ago, we may be doing this. Uh, we'll be providing some more information in the coming weeks. But the sermon today is called uh, Sex and Drugs and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, it's crazy because in today's world, you hear so much about sex from society, from your coworkers, from your classmates. Uh, you hear so much about sex even through neuroscience. I'll unpack that in a short bit. But you hear very little about sex in the church. Uh, we don't really talk about it too much, and I really love today's passage. I bracketed this passage specifically so that we full, uh, we just fully address the topic of sex. Because uh, if anybody should be able to talk about sex authoritatively, then it really should be through the Scripture. Uh, God is the one who created everything, including sex, so it would be really important for us to understand from His point of view what is sex, and more specifically from the Gospel. If we all truly submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ, shouldn't this really affect even the ways that we perceive and treat our own physical bodies? i.e. sex. Uh, we've been talking about how the gospel impacts the way we deal with relational conflicts. How it impacts the way we pursue legal actions against other people. And this passage is about how the gospel should impact the way we look at our physical bodies as well as sex. Um, so let me uh, read the passage for us and then we'll jump right into this. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12-20. to 20. Paul writes, all things are lawful for me. Another way of translating this is all things are permissible for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. But God would destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Do you not know that your bodies, your physical bodies, they're members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord, Jesus, he becomes one spirit with Jesus. So flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin is a... Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body." Wow, um, yeah, Paul is really just, this is not a PG-13 passage and this is not going to be a PG-13 sermon. Paul lets it all out. There's so much more that we can talk about sex. But again, for this sermon, it's going to be focused on these verses. Uh, Before we proceed any further, I just wanted to mention, we do have Q&A, so I might not be able to address everything that may be interesting you. And that's what Q&A is there for. All of this is anonymous. We don't just use this for questions. But if you have any prayer requests, any general prayer requests that you would love for us to pray throughout the, during the service, please text away. Uh, let me pray for us one more time and then we will, um, we will begin. Our Father, we thank you that uh, really... Uh, You are the God of everything, including the God over our physical bodies. You care about how we look at other people's physical bodies. You care about how we treat our own physical bodies. Um, And we pray that uh, this message and this passage would not ultimately be about sex, but may ultimately be about the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. Because of your death and resurrection, what kind of impact should that have in the ways that we perceive and treat these physical bodies? I pray that when we, are, uh, when we take a closer look, may we not be overwhelmed with guilt, but instead may we be overwhelmed with just absolute gratitude that you are a God who loves us so generously. And may that compel us, enable us to glorify you, not just in spiritual matters, but even in our physical bodies as well. We thank you and we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. So, uh, we're going to jump right into this. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, I don't know how this sermon is going to go, to be honest. Uh, But yeah, so Paul begins in these verses. If you notice, he quotes a few phrases. And you may be wondering where are those quotes from? Are they from the Old Testament? Is he quoting Bible verses? Actually, he's not quoting the Bible. He is quoting the different sayings and phrases of society. So, for instance, he says, All things are lawful for me. And, like I mentioned, a very good translation of this is, All things are permissible. I'm allowed to do anything. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, like we've been hearing throughout the past weeks, because he has already sanctified us, because his blood is so effective, that means I can do whatever I want, right, Paul? Right, I can use my body however I please. There's nothing that's law, everything is lawful, everything is permissible, everything is acceptable. And he's basically quoting what society, their really depraved minds are thinking. And if you think about it, it's a lot like even today's world, um, there are a lot of phrases that are so catchy, they're so catchy and we, we don't think twice about it, but it actually impacts the way we live. Like for instance, YOLO I think is a very... Iconic phrase, Uh, if you don't know what that is, you only live once. And that's basically a license for you to indulge in whatever. It's basically a green light. Because you only live once, let me go ahead and take this step. Even though it's probably not the most prudent, the wisest decision. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, you think all things are lawful, all things are permissible? And again, a better translation is, all things are acceptable for me? And then he goes on to quote another thing, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is what people are thinking. They are thinking, isn't it everything just fine? I'm a physical being. I'm a bi- I have biological needs. That means can't I just indulge in this type of food? Can't I indulge in sexual immorality? This is just a biological need that I need to fulfill. And maybe some of us, we don't subscribe to things like YOLO, but Man, if we're not careful, it's pretty crazy the different messages, subliminal, whatever, that society is constantly reinforcing through advertisements, through the internet, that is really shaping the way we look at things, including sex. And if we're honest with ourselves, we probably look at sex more influenced by societal worldview than what the gospel has to say. So, for instance, I just did some light research. According to, should we do over under? We won't do over under. 50% of all internet content is sexually related. According to one reputable source that I looked up. If you want the sources, I can give them to you. 50%, that's half. Not only that, uh, again, these statistics, I'm sorry, based on the states, but I'm sure they're very similar to Canada, North American culture. 66% of all male... They, um, what's the right word for this? They consume pornographic content once a month. Sixty-six percent. That's two out of three male. Don't look around and be like those. Two. Don't, don't don't do that. Okay. Guess what it is for female? Forty percent. Two out of every five female in this North American culture, once a month, they are consuming. Pornographic content. And you know what's even like just more staggering? So they've done a survey. Again, I don't know how legit these surveys are, so take these statistics with a grain of salt. I'm not preaching statistics, I'm ultimately preaching the gospel that's authoritative and definitive. But these statistics, they help. One statistic, one survey was all the people who do consume pornographic content, 60% believe wholeheartedly, sincerely, that their pornographic intake is healthy for them, it's beneficial for them. And again, these are some of the societal values. A lot of people, especially with this evolutionary theory, with this naturalistic worldview, we look at ourselves as really biochemical entities and we have specifically biological needs. Hey, maybe I do my morning routine and maybe that includes masturbation because it calms me down. It relaxes me throughout the day. Or maybe I struggle falling asleep, so let me just indulge, dabble in this so that I can just get my mind to peace. And these are the type of things, we, we may not say all things are lawful for me. Nobody's saying that verbatim. But we are being influenced by society. We can't help but to be bombarded by all the sexual content. 50% of it, of your internet intake, internet content is sexually related. We can't escape this. And Paul is saying, you guys, you guys need to understand, what does the gospel have to say about sex? Supremely, supremely important. So he goes on. And the first point, I'm going to talk about three points. The first two points I'm not going to really develop. But the last point I'm going to try to drive that home. The first point is God is the judge of the way we look at our physical bodies. So he says, do you not know? You say the, uh, the body is for the stomach and the stomach is for the body. Do you not know that God will actually destroy both? God is going to destroy all food, all body, everything. And Paul is, don't take this too literally. What, what Paul is essentially saying is do you not know that God has ultimate authority over everything? Including your physical body. Including your appetite for that particular food. Including your sexual cravings. God has authority over everything. And one day we're going to have to answer to him. And that's why he says the body is not meant for sexual immorality. It's not meant for you to address a biological need that you think is going to relax you or give you some type of beneficial effect. He says the body is for the Lord. You answer to God. One day every single one of us, I've been mentioning this over the past few weeks, every thought. Every word that we utter, every action, we're going to have to answer to that To God, he knows it all. I know some of us are thinking, you know what, let me just be me. Whatever. Who cares about this judge smudge? I don't care. All of my coworkers are doing this. All society is doing this. And you think, you know what, whatever, let me just do me. But let's say, like, even something as trivial as your cell phone, your smartphone, and I'm not even saying, let's say your smartphone gets broadcasted in, during worship service. So let's say your cell phone, all the sites that you looked at, all the different chat messages that you've relayed or whatever, let's say that's been broadcasted in your secular work. How ashamed and embarrassed would you be? And I'm not even talking about sexual content. Some of the, the, the things that we do with Even just materialism, I'll I'll be the first one to admit. This sermon, I'm just gonna put myself out there. Man, this past week, I've been in the market for a nice fall jacket, and I really has anybody ever heard of the Barracuda Harrington jacket? Such a classic jacket, but they're kind of expensive, and not too many. um, Like it has to be like authentic, and you know, I was just like looking at some websites, and I was just gonna do this before I prepare dinner. Um, and I'm just oh, then I went on on Reddit to see if where can I get a good deal. Next two hours later, I'm like oh my goodness, my kids are starving. And I'll be honest, man, like sometimes I get consumed with certain things. Imagine your cell phone, your smartphone, everything being broadcasted. Not to God because you know some of us we might be a little cavalier and be like whatever God understands. But let's say it gets broadcasted to your secular workplace. How embarrassed would you be? Paul is saying let's up that ante a little bit more. Because on judgment day, you will answer not only to the God of the universe, but he created your body. He created everything for himself. How have you been robbing him? How have you been using the gifts and the blessings that God has given and you've been using it for your own sexual, sinful, selfish, however you want to phrase it, for your own pleasure instead of for God? So that's the first thing that Paul says, is man, you will be judged. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, I know Chrome has incognito mode. I know every browser has what God sees. You might be able to erase your internet history, but God sees everything. The second thing he says is not only are you going to have to answer to God, but he says, and this is kind of, it sounds a little mysterious. He also says, it's not only that the body is for the Lord, but he also says, the Lord is for the body. I'm wondering, what does that mean? And he continues, God raised the Lord Jesus Christ who died. And he will also raise us up by his own power. And basically what, what Paul is saying is the same way that God raised Jesus Christ, his body. He's going to raise all of us. One day. And the reason why this is relevant here is because Paul is saying, your physical body He talks about this more in 1 Corinthians 15, so I'm not going to unpack it here. If you want to read it on your own, I wholeheartedly encourage you to do that. It's supremely important. But Paul is basically saying the second point is God cares about your physical body. Some of us, we have the misconception thinking, oh, church matters. Gospel matters. Salvation thing. Like just God, what he cares about is all the spiritual things. He just cares about the intention, the sincerity of my heart, and that's all he cares about. No, no, no. That's not what the gospel is secluded to. You read these verses, especially 1 Corinthians 15, God is supremely concerned with your physical body. God isn't just gonna heal your heart, God isn't just gonna rectify these spiritual things. It says right here God is also the Lord of the body. He will resurrect your physical body. What does this have to do with sexual immorality? What does this have to do with pornographic intake, with habits like masturbation, whatever? What this has to do is those things God cares about. God just doesn't care about the way you pray and the way you have just this, this spiritual attitude, whatever is inside. But God cares about the way we treat our body as well. He will redeem that. And that's why when I see people who exercise, who take their body seriously, I applaud you for sure. It's biblical, it's part of the gospel. Part of the resurrection, part of the day of salvation is God will redeem not just our hearts, but our physical bodies. So the way we take care of our physical bodies, even now, and I'm not just talking about sexual immorality, I'm just talking about physically. It matters. And it's an opportunity for us to honor and worship God. I'm not going to unpack that too much because that's more spelled out in 1 Corinthians 15 and we're on 1 Corinthians 6 What Paul really drives home are these next set of verses. And this is really the third point. And Paul says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? If you submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you submit to the Lordship of Jesus, do you not know that you are connected to Jesus' body? He's not talking about some spiritual body, he's talking about physically. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. It's illogical. Why would you do that? Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? And then Paul quotes, this time he doesn't quote YOLO. He quotes a Bible verse back in Ephesians. For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. What is Paul talking about here? Paul is saying you're dabbling, indulging in sexual immorality. In this day and age, it's actual prostitution. Like I mentioned, Corinth is a red light district of all red light districts. It will make Toronto blush. People were probably engaged with actual prostitutes. It was just that rampant. And he's saying, man, you messing around with other girls, do you not know that when you are sexually involved with them, you become one with them. The two become one flesh. Man, I remember during my university years, even high school years, actually, you can tell people who are sexually involved with each other. Guys don't even have to brag about it. You can tell so easily. Do you know how? You know, Friday night they do, you know, whatever. Monday morning when everybody comes back to school, man, you can tell because the way the guy and the girl they interact with each other, it's so clear that something happened over the weekend. Because, man, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, they are just so together. There is this attachment that goes beyond the physical act of sex. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about. When you have sex with somebody, when you're involved sexually, it's not just, oh, I'm fulfilling his or her biological need and he or she is fulfilling mine. It's not like friends with benefits and that's it. I'm drawing the line. No, Paul is saying the sexual act, the way God designed it, is it's not just a physical union for that moment and boom, afterwards you guys go on with your merry way. Paul is saying when you are messing around with somebody, you become one with that person. Part of your heart, part of your emotions, part of your psychology, part of your mentality, everything, it gets fused into one. That is why it says all the way back to Genesis, the two will become one flesh. And guess what? 2,000 years later, we see psychologists, modern scientists, they are seeing the same thing. That you can't just have sex with somebody and just think that it's restricted to that one event. But man, there are things that bind together. These are secular scientists, psychologists, psych- psychiatrists, whatever. They are coming with the same thing. Paul was saying, man, the Bible, we, we talked about this thousands of years ago. And you're just understanding this now? But it's true. And some of us are wondering, all right, well, you know what? In this day and age in Toronto, like you mentioned, Corinth is a red light district of all red light districts. I'm not, I'm not messing around with prostitutes. I'm just looking at this on my internet, whatever. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not going crazy like that. You know what's crazy, though? Is, man, uh, it's funny because in the area of neuroscience, they are really interested in what are the side effects of pornographic consumption. Again, this isn't prostitution. This is just consuming things on the internet. Especially now that the internet is just worldwide it's not even I mean literally worldwide it 's not just first world countries even third world countries have access to the internet and like I mentioned earlier, fifty percent of all internet content is sexually related um, yeah, I was looking at some like just nearest, uh, some articles on neuroscientific uh, Research in the effects of pornography is pretty staggering. And I I think these statistics will change. So again, take it with a grain of salt. I'm not here to preach neuroscience, I'm ultimately here to preach the gospel. But this is relevant to the gospel. Um, Yeah, when you are, they did some experiments with people who are um, consuming pornographic content and man, their dopamine levels are skyrocketing. 200%. Uh, If you don't know what dopamine is, it's um, a neurotransmitter. So it basically, se- it's like a chemical that sen- sends signal to another neuron in order to convey some type of uh, impulse for your brain. So for instance, it's mostly associated with pleasure. Um, so when people are watching porno- uh, pornography, man, their dopamine level in their brain, this is a chemical thing. It's not just like some, ma- uh, this is like legit like they see this in neuroimaging uh, and scanning the brain while people are uh, viewing pornographic intake. And your dopamine levels are skyrocketing 200%. And when you continually do that, once you get that high, what's going to happen? The next day, very likely, you're going to want to dabble in pornography. Because you reach that 200% high, how else are you going to get that high? Your body knows it. Your body knows, man, that felt so good. I can't wait till the next time I do that. You do that the next day. You do that the next day. You do that the next week. Next month. What happens? Boom. Just like that, you are addicted. And it's not just one day here and there. It becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a habit of yours. And yeah, Paul is talking about prostitution. But you know what? In some ways, I feel like our day and age... There are some challenges that Paul's day and age, they would have never dreamt of. How we can have so much at literally the tips of our finger just in our smartphones. Everybody has a data plan. It's crazy. So they've done some research and when your dopamine levels are that high and when you're that consumed and it becomes part of your habit, man, there are, your lifestyle changes. The way you look at other people. Involuntarily, you're looking at certain things. Not just in the comfort of your own home, in your own little bedroom, but in social settings. When you see somebody of the opposite gender walk by, man, you can't help but to do not just a double take, triple, quadruple take. You're caught staring and you don't even realize it. Because of all the biochemical interactions within your brain, it is manipulating us. And then they also mentioned how people, even married couples, some of us were thinking, you know, once I'm married, it'll be fine, okay? Just let me just. Even married couples, 60% of married couples who consume pornographic content, they say that their sexual romance has, they don't get aroused by their partners anymore. And it makes sense. If their dopamine levels are skyrocketing and they keep getting addicted to that, then yeah, in some ways, for them, it feels better than even the real thing. This is twisted. The day and age that we live in. I'm not just going to spout out statistics. Yeah, so I don't know how you guys perceive me. I guess my title is I'm a pastor here. I'm about to be ordained. Man, I've struggled. When I say these statistics, I'm not just. I've lived it, man. Um, Pornography, feeling like there's no way out. These phrases. Of You know what, I'm just addressing my biological. I know exactly how that feels. There are situations, man, like it wasn't just weeks. I just thought I could just dabble it here and there. But it became months. It became a lifestyle to the point where I had to look at myself in the mirror and be like, I can't get out of this. I can't. I'm trying. I thought it was just a seasonal thing. I thought accountability partners would work. I thought if I just do this, if I do that. No. It feels utterly hopeless. And yeah, like I know all this stuff about the gospel. I know all this stuff in my head. But I just felt so powerless. It's funny because uh, one of the terms that a lot of Counselors use, and they're not Christian counselors, they're secular counselors who are trying to, they are starting to see the side effects of this type of culture. And you know, there, there are going to be other people who say, no, this is fine, this is just us being natural beings, fulfilling our natural needs or whatever. But there are some secular counselors, psychologists who are trying to counter this. And I forget the term that they use. Maybe I, I think maybe I use the, oh, safeguard. Has anybody ever heard of the term safeguard? They say the best way to counter this pornographic addiction is um, come up with safeguards. So whenever you feel tempted, whenever, even when you're consuming this type of thing, come up with a mental safeguard. Let's say bugs are all like the bug that you hate the most all over your body. Let's say you have a fear of rats. Think really hard that a bunch of rats are all over your body. And this is some of the ways that they're advocating for people to overcome pornography. Or just sexual immorality. I will stop. I'll stop saying pornography. That's just one example. Some people they would say, think about your spouse, how loyal your spouse is to you. How could you be unfaithful to your spouse? Think about your future spouse. Think about, or they would say, think about your kids. Imagine your kid becoming somebody like that. How would you feel consuming? There are so many different ways that people come up with. Do this, do that. Even in Christian circles, it's all about accountability. It's all about having the band of brothers, the band of sisters, people who can ask you honest questions persistently. And yes, there are wisdom in safeguards. There are wisdom in thinking about your spouse, thinking about your kids. There are wisdom in thinking about your accountability partner. I've tried it all. And I'll tell you, man, like... Pornography, that kind of thing, that thing is a distant past for me. I'll, be, I'll testify. That thing has no hold over me whatsoever. Do you know what enabled me to get through that struggle? Accountability partner, here and there, yeah, it helped. While I was dating Jeannie and just thinking about being pure to her, yeah, that helped here and there, but that didn't really cut it. Do you know what was really helpful? is exactly what Paul says in these next verses. Paul says, yes, you can try accountability partner, you can try safeguards, you can try the whole gambit, but guess what? At the end of the day, do you know what's really gonna transform your heart? It's gonna break the chains of your enslavement to addictions is he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. What Paul says is, yes, you can try to have accountability partners, but at the end of the day, Do you know what's going to change your life? What's going to change your life is the reality that you are now one with Jesus Christ. He says earlier, when you're involved in sexual immorality, you're becoming one with a prostitute. Guess what? Because we submit to the lordship of Jesus, we have now become one with Jesus. That same type of intimacy that I saw my high school friends, my university friends, after they have sex... I can tell, man, mentally, psychologically are just so fused into one. That same intimacy, that same union, that same bond, whatever you want to call it, is the same bond that we have with Jesus Christ. That's amazing. He continues, therefore, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And here it is. Or do you not know that your body... Is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. What Paul is saying is the gospel changes everything. 2,000 years ago, our Jesus Christ died and his spirit resurrected. And if you submit to that, that means you are one with Jesus. That means his spirit is living inside of you. That means you are the temple of God. Let me just try to connect all these dots because some of us are wondering, I'm not really seeing what the relevance of this is. Do you know what God through got me through all of that? It's during my failures. Man, during the hopeless points, the deepest the nadir of my enslavement. Do you know what I heard? Ultimately, I have become one with Jesus Christ. Yes, my hand is in the cookie jar. You can take that metaphorically. But God looks at me. You are the temple of God. My spirit is in you. Every point of failure. Yes, I felt disgusted. But at the end of the day, the last thought that God would place in my mind, I am one with Jesus. His Spirit is in me. It doesn't matter. His love never fails. His love will persevere till the very end, even though I can't persevere, even though I feel like I have no strength. God says, My love will carry you, my grace is sufficient for you. Every other religion, these promises of salvation, it's always get your act together. Clean up your own habits. Make sure you're in tip top shape and then I'll be united with you. And then I'll bestow my spirit upon you. And then I'll make you my temple. But no, the gospel is so different. Do you understand how beautiful this is? That God says irrevocably, You are already sanctified. The blood is already upon you. You are already united with Jesus. My spirit is already in you. You are already the temple. And yeah, maybe I went through months. Maybe I went through seasons of failure after failure. And here hopefully you realize I'm not just talking about sexual immorality at this point. Fill in the blank. Whatever your failure is. It doesn't matter because if these words are true, Our God is so committed to us. He will enable us to overcome anything. Whether it's sexual immorality, pornographic addiction, materialism, jealousy, envy, malice, greed. Paul doesn't talk about sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians. He's talking about the whole gamut. Whatever it is. God is committed to loving you. You are already united with Jesus. Do you understand how groundbreaking this is? Every failure, yes, there is condemnation because we sinned. But that doesn't trump. The final say is, you are the temple of God. My spirit is within you. Man, and I'll be honest. Dude, the first week, first month, I felt like whatever, God. Yeah, I heard this before, whatever. You don't understand. After some time, realize, man, it's been like this for so long, and yet this is still true. And then I'll be humbled, and my heart would soften up. But I'll be honest, and I will fall again. It will be another season of just feeling just so helpless. But over time, I realize this love that is so unwavering. It's so much better than anything else in this world. So whenever I get tempted, I'm not saying I'm perfect, okay? So please, I'm just using myself as an example so that you can relate with this passage. Ultimately, I'm pointing you to the passage, not to me. But as this became more of a reality in my life, I realized, man, these temptations is garbage. It's like, why would I be eating fast food restaurant if, like... God's love is just supremely better. And now when I look at that, I'll be honest, I used to love McDonald's when I was a little kid. And when I smell the scent of McDonald's, I feel like I'm going to vomit. That's how I feel. It's just disgusting to me. There's no whatever. And that doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen in a way. That happens as you journey with God. And constantly you realize, man, you come up short. And the tendency is, man, I'm, I'm telling you, the tendency is, I've, I've lived this, is Satan's gonna be like, you're gonna go to church? When you did that just last night? When you did that just this morning? You're gonna go to church? You're going to go to small group? Who do you think you are? You're going to lead this? You're going to try to go on this mission trip when, man, I know your internet history. The temptation is Satan's going to use that to make you doubt these promises, God's word. Same thing that he does with Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. It's the same pattern. But what Paul is saying is in the midst of your struggles, don't listen to the voice of Satan. Haters going to hate. Listen to the true authoritative voice. God's word. We are one with Christ. This is the new reality. It might not sink in that first week. It might not sink in that month. But just hold on and it will sink in. And that's why he says, man, like in response to the gospel, and that's why I'm not, th- I'm not saying this is this sermon, this passage is about sex. This passage is about the gospel. He says, you are not your own. Your physical bodies, it's not yours. You are bought with the price, the blood of Jesus Christ, namely. You can't just be using your body like it's another PlayStation, like it's PlayStation 5 or whatever. No, you are not your own. It's not for your gratification. You, your body... Your thoughts, your speech, everything. Again, I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about everything now. It is for God. You've been purchased. And therefore, he says, glorify God in your body. Um, Yeah, I think we're pretty much done. If the band can come forward. And I just want to give some closing thoughts and remarks. Um... Yeah, let's all rise. and I just want to make sure that all of this gets crystallized in Jesus and what he has done, his death and his resurrection. Um, a sermon like this, you might come away with the statistics of how messed up our society is. But please, that's not the point of this sermon. A sermon like this, you may be thinking, okay, I just need to be more faithful to my spouse. Yes, that's true, but that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what Paul is talking about. A sermon like this, you may think, oh, I need to just have better control of my dopamine uh, intake. Making sure that it's not too excessive. That's not the point of the sermon. The point of the sermon is do you realize what it means? That Jesus died for you. So that you can be united to his flesh. The same type of intimacy that we see lovers have when they have sex when they just can't get enough of each other, that is the same intimacy that Jesus has forced through his death. We are now one with him. The two have now become one flesh. And then he rose again, so that even his spirit is living inside of us, that we are called his beautiful temple. Brothers and sisters, This is the reality that we are going to grow in. And yes, it's going to take a long time for us to grow in. It's going to take a lifetime for these things to sink in, to settle in. This is life-altering. But this is reality. Are you going to continue to dabble, indulge in that nasty fast food junk? I know some of us still like fast food, so just please, just please understand what I'm trying to say. Or are you going to glory In the greatest love that even in the nadir, even in the lowest of lows, even when you just feel like you can't even look at yourself in the mirror. I'm not even just talking about sex, I'm talking about whatever temptation you're experiencing. God still says, trust in me. That unwavering love that never fails, that always perseveres, ultimately. That is what's gonna enable us to overcome these things. So I just wanna give us a moment. Man, this is life altering. Let's let this sink in a little. Ask the Holy Spirit, what aspects of the gospel are you trying to really speak to me about? As we pray, I do also wanna alert us to the Q&A. If there are any questions, please. I know some of this stuff is controversial and I would love to have a dialogue um, I know it's, it's easy for it to be preached, and that's why I put myself out as a negative example to show I, I understand it's complex. So I just want to give us an opportunity to just really allow the Spirit to minister and to just respond to what the God might be saying to you at this moment. we're kind of in this moment of just interacting with the Holy Spirit. Um, and again, for some of us, it's more natural. For others, it's not as natural. But how do we really get engaged in interacting with the spirits? To do it more and more. So I know for some of us, it may feel uncomfortable, but this is an excellent opportunity for us to build that type of intimacy with God. Because like I mentioned, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens through seasons, months of trusting in him. But you know, if if this time is uh, kind of hard for you to focus, uh, another way to respond is to sing this song about really building our life, uh, our life that God has blessed us with. We are not building it upon statistics of surveys or neuroscientific discoveries or accountability partners or whatever. We build our life upon Jesus, what he has done. Hopefully that becomes clearer to us. So uh, if you want to join in on this song that really captures this idea that we ultimately build everything on Jesus, then please feel free to join us in that.